If you have your copy of the Word of God, I want to invite you to open up to the Gospel of John. As we continue to walk through the Gospel of John, I'm so excited as we, uh, as we walk through this study, and John is such a uh, tremendous Gospel account. We noted last week of how it's so much different than the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, and for that reason, those are called the synoptics that kind of give us a synopsis, and they're in uh, they're in tandem with one another, but the Gospel of John is just so much different. And uh, theologically, it's, uh, John is, is heavy even right from the beginning as we saw last week and we, we looked and saw the incarnate Christ and we saw that, um, that, that, that Christ is, uh, is the one who is preeminent. Uh, we saw last week that Jesus Christ is God. And we walk through verses 1 and 2. And so this morning, I want us to continue to walk through verse 5. And so we'll pick up in verse 3 and walk through verse 5. And the title of the message this morning is The Incarnate Christ, Creator and Life Giver. The Incarnate Christ, Creator and Life Giver. If you found your place in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, say amen. Okay, and follow with me as I read, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. I mentioned last week that this is such a profoundly deep passage, yet it's such a simple passage for us to even wrap our minds around. It's this very uh, tremendous truth that Jesus himself is God. And I don't mean to repeat myself this morning, but that's such a significant truth that that we as believers in Christ, that Christianity, it's it's foundational to the truth of Scripture and to our, our faith. It's a foundational truth. So this morning, I, I just want to begin by saying that we, we as Christians have some astounding claims that the world looks and says, this is foolishness. In fact, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians spoke about that very foolishness when he said, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And so there are some astounding claims that we as Christians make about Jesus Christ, about faith in Christ, and about what it means to have salvation. Particularly, one of the most astounding claims that we make is this claim to absolute truth that Jesus himself is God and that there is only one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, through the cross of Christ. And as Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We highlight that and we, uh, we, we, we weigh heavy on that because there is only one way to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so we claim this absolute truth and say that Jesus is that way. There is no other way to come into God's presence, but only through Jesus Christ. And so consequently, we would say that Jesus wasn't just a baby born in a manger 2,000 years ago. He was not just 
one who entered the world 2,000 years ago, but he is the incarnate one of God, born in the fullness of time, right when God intended it, right as God desired and designed that Jesus Christ, God himself, would step down in the person of Jesus Christ into this world. And as verse 14 of John chapter 1 says, he would take on flesh and become man. And so as we'll see this morning, this is the light and the life of God being extended to humanity and the light of Christ shining in the midst of this darkness and physically manifesting himself in humanity and robing himself in flesh so that we might come to know him and that we might experience and see this very light of life that would give us eternal hope and joy. One of my favorite Christmas hymns, and so I I know we're not at Christmas time, but one of my favorite Christmas hymns explains this truth and, and captures this truth. So well, I looked for a different hymn to, to, to share today, but this one just does it so well. Hark the herald angels sing. In verse 2, he says, Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time, behold him come, Offspring of the virgin's womb, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as men, man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And this really is the truth of what the Apostle Paul was speaking about as well in, in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, when he said, But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, Born under the law. You see, Jesus' entrance into humanity was perfectly calculated and, and perfectly intentional for the express purpose of redeeming creation, of saving lost souls. This is why Jesus came at the time in which he came. God's mission in Christ is reconciliation and redemption of all humanity. That's why Christ came. 1 Peter 1, 20 and 21 says, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. And so this morning, I hope to do this. This morning, I hope to point us to where our hearts would be gripped by this wonderful, amazing truth that Jesus is God and that Jesus is creator and that Jesus is eternal life giver. And because he is God, he is creator. And because he is God, he is the one who can extend and give eternal life. And so I I pray this morning that our hearts would be captivated by this truth just realize that we didn't pray to begin, so let us pray now and ask God to do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that you would captivate our hearts by this wonderful, amazing truth. God, that you would teach us, that you would open our minds to comprehend the depth of your word that you would open our hearts to love your word and our eyes to see. And, oh, God, that you would make our wills come alongside and, and submit to your will this morning, that you would cause us to love you more today and to be changed today because of the wonderful truth of your word. Holy Spirit, we, we offer this time to you and say, would you, would you have freedom in our midst today? Would you do your work as only you can? We beg of you, Lord Jesus. 
It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So last week we we said in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. This is Jesus. This is John making the equivocation saying that Jesus himself is God. We see that in verse 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And this is saying this word, this logos that we see in verse 1 that says who Jesus is. In verse 14, we see that word, that word dwelling in God's presence now becoming flesh. And so we said Jesus, number one, Jesus is God and that he is co-eternal. Jesus equaling the word in the beginning, meaning that Jesus' existence is from eternity past. But not only that, secondly, we said he was distinctly present with God. In the beginning was the Word, right? That Word was distinctly present with God, literally meaning face-to-face with God. In the beginning, the Word was face-to-face with God. There was an interaction between the Godhead, Father and Son. But then also, thirdly, we said that He was co-equal. He is co-equal with God when He says in verse 1, the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word. Not only was the Word there, but the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Two distinct persons with one essence, Father and Son, pointing us to the triune Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So this morning, I want us to camp out first on this truth, that Jesus is Creator. That Jesus is Creator. In verse 3, we see it. Jesus is First off, Jesus is the uncreated creator. Jesus is the uncreated creator. As creator of all things, think about it. He must be uncreated. In verse 3, if it says all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being, he is the uncreated creator. He must be eternal Logically, I would ask us to just think for a moment, how could someone who created all things be created? If all things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being, right? How can he who created all things be created himself? That's significant. That's why John says in one one that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But secondly, it's instructive for us to notice and to note the language that changes between verse 2 and verse 3. In verses 1 and 2, he uses this being verb, was, to describe Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Speaking of a state of being, he was there. Eternity past always has been. Jesus was there. He was with God. In verse 3, that verb changes to a different verb. It changes to this verb that speaks about that which comes into existence. And so in verse 3, it changes. It says, and all things came into being through him. They had their beginning. They came into existence through him. It was through Jesus that all things came into being. And so Jesus is not a created being. He was eternally existent with the Father and is the source through which all things come into being. I want you to think with me for a moment as Dr. David read a moment ago in Isaiah chapter 40, just that God is creator. 
that he has created all things. He's created everything. We see that truth extended to Jesus in John chapter 1. Psalm 102.25 says, Of old you founded the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. Isaiah 40.28, Do you not know, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not become weary or tired as understanding is inscrutable or unfathomable. That is, God, the creator of all things of the heavens and the earth. The revelation and the manifestation of God in Christ teaches us and points us to this interconnectedness between God the Father and God the Son. So that we see now in the New Testament as well, Colossians 1.16, where Paul writes, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. All things through Christ. Hebrews 1-2 says, God in, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. You see, as uncreated Creator, He has created all things, and He is the one through whom all things have come into being. This is the portrait that John paints for us of Jesus Christ. And I want us to catch a glimpse this morning of the greatness and the gloriousness of His profound goodness toward us in His creation. Recognizing that Jesus is the uncreated Creator helps us to understand His authority in creation. It helps us to understand His authority in creation. So all things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Verse 3. You know, John's point is simple here. He lays it all out for us from the beginning. He's telling us that Jesus is the only one who can truly offer hope and can truly offer life. If all things were created through him, then he must be God according to Scripture. And so John proves this thesis throughout his gospel over and over again by giving us seven signs that point to Jesus' power and his authority throughout the gospel of John. And then he gives us seven, uh, seven statements, the I am statements, pointing to his divinity where Jesus himself claims to be God. And so Jesus not only possesses the authority and the power of God, hear this, Jesus claims to be God. Those seven I am statements throughout the gospel, as you read and you see him making these statements, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He makes these, I am the living water. He makes these, these I am statements throughout. I am the door to the sheep gate. Claiming to be God himself. And so while, we, while we've highlighted a little bit this morning this idea of God being big creator, macro of the cosmos, creator of the universe, creator of all things, creator of the earth, creator of the elements within the earth, right? I, I don't want us to miss the, 
miss the truth here as well, that Jesus not only is creator of all things, but that he also is creator of each one of us. Listen, don't miss this, that he knows us intimately and that he is intricately and intimately acquainted with all our ways. He knows details about each one of us. He knows us better than we know us, right? This is what Scripture affirms and teaches us. He knows everything about us. Turn with me to Psalm 139. I want to invite you to turn there for a moment, and let's just kind of camp out there just for a second. In Psalm 139, knowing that are realizing that, that he knows everything about me. In verses 1 through 4, listen to what the psalm says. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all of my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, you know it well. My thoughts from afar, you know it well. Before I say something, Lord, you know it. You know all about me. And see, Jesus as creator knows about each one of us intimately, very intricately detailed. He knows details about us. He designed us. Look in, look in verse 13 there in Psalm 139. For you formed my inward parts. Right? You, you wove me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. Listen, my frame... My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. You see that? He, he designed me. He knows me intimately and intricately. He designed me. He's familiar with me. He knows my ways. But not only that, he, he watches over me. Look in verse 16. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And get this. And in your book were written all, in your book were all written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. He designed us. He, he knows everything about us. He watches over us. He's intimately acquainted with all of our ways. Listen, Luke chapter 12 even tells us this, that he knows the hairs on our heads are not five sparrows sold for two cents, and yet one of them is forgotten before God. And yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear. You are more valuable than sparrows. You see that? Jesus, as creator of the cosmos, as creator of all things, he himself has created even us and is deeply involved in the lives of his people in creation and as creator, Jesus as creator, he knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. He knows what we need. He alone knows what's best for us. And he knows what will satisfy us. So as I look across the room this morning and just think about the different circumstances and situations that we each find ourselves in, the different walks of life from, from the single moms who, who, who have tough road or single parents who have such a, a tough road today in our culture and our society and 
raising children, wanting them to come to know Christ, and at the same time wanting to, to see them have a healthy picture and, and portrait of, of marriage and the family and, and the struggle that happens there. And, and then there's, there's a spouse who, 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 who longs for her husband or longs for his wife to know Christ and, and walk with Christ and have a, a vibrant relationship with Christ, and that spouse prays for their salvation. Are there are parents here who, who want to see their kids grow in the knowledge and truth of Christ and, and want to raise them in a home where discipleship is centered and, and Christ, living for Christ is modeled. And there, there are people, and in, in, in for here this morning, we are, we are from all walks of life, and there are so many different circumstances and situations. But those parents, even knowing that we would pray, and, and, and I'm speaking about my own life, praying spasmodically for their salvation, but wanting to pray more for the salvation of my children to know Christ. Christ knows us intimately. He knows the circumstances and situations of our lives. For college students, he, he knows the, the tenacity with which you can pursue him. And then also the daily struggles that you walk through. And you have victories, sometimes over sin and sometimes falling into sin. He knows the zeal with which you pursue him. Or to the widow or the widower who struggles with loneliness and wants to learn dependency upon Christ. Hear me this morning for every life situation represented in this place this morning. God knows us. God sees us. He knows every one of us in every circumstance. He cares. What I would say to us this morning is don't give up pursuing him. Be tenacious in pursuing Christ. Don't give up in the prayer life. Ask God to help you to be more consistent. You know, the tremendous thing is that he knows us. He knows our highs and he knows our lows. He knows of all the days that we walk and he still loves us, even in the midst of sometimes our unfaithfulness. Even when we begin to pridefully think that we can do this thing on our own, he knows us. He is intimately acquainted with all our ways. So get the picture here. Jesus, creator of the cosmos, is also creator of you and me. Jesus, who orchestrates and orders the entire world system also cares deeply and intimately about our lives. He loves you. He cares deeply for you. But hear this, he also knows this, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are, we are his workmanship. Believer, you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. The one who knows you, the one who created us, he wants and he longs for us. He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. And we must realize that God knows and cares for us and he has uniquely positioned us and and poised each one of us to be used for his glory. We must believe that. We must believe that he desires to work through us as ministers of reconciliation, as ambassadors for Christ. He has made us adequate in God himself through Christ. He has made you, believer, adequate in order to share this testimony and to be, be a servant of his to go and to share the gospel and to share his love and to share the light that he has come into the world to proclaim and to give. And so I want to ask us this morning, do all of us, each one of us sitting in here this morning, do you know this creator, Jesus? Do you know him? 
See the joy and the satisfaction of your life. If you know him this morning, are you entrusting yourself daily to him? Is that a daily exercise that you're going to the Lord Jesus and and daily entrusting yourself to him and depending on him? And if so, how? How are you doing that? How are you depending upon the Lord Jesus Christ to lead you daily? How is that happening? What's it look like in our lives? What's it look like as it's fleshed out? You see, Jesus is creator who wants for his creation, longs for his creation to live for him and for his glory. From youth to senior adult, from child to senior adult. So I I want us to see, secondly, this morning that not only is Jesus creator, Jesus is the giver of eternal life. Jesus is the giver of eternal life. In verses 4 and 5, in him was life, and that life was the light of men. In him, that is Jesus, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men. So I want want us to see first under this point, the first sub-point, that Jesus is the self-containing source of life. Jesus is the self-containing source of life. In him we find both life and light in fellowship. We find both light and life in fellowship with Christ because he is the source of life and light. John 14, 6, as we said a moment ago, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. John 8, 12, then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then John twelve thirty five. So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. When it comes to this light coming into the darkness, we all can comprehend and understand the distinction right i mean we've all we've all been there we've all seen why we need flashlights to walk through the dark and if you come to my house at night sometimes you'll know why you need a flashlight to walk through the dark because you'll start doing a a a one-legged dance where you're hopping around the room because you stepped on a a lego or some toy the light helps us to see in the midst of darkness right it helps us to have visual It helps us to know where we are going. The light shows us the way. Get what Jesus is saying here. Get what John is saying here about Christ. He's saying Jesus is, or or when we walk in fellowship with Christ, we will have the light of life. We will have the light to teach us to walk through life. And And Jesus is saying, as long as you walk with me, the darkness cannot overtake you. Why? Because Jesus is the source of life. Jesus is the one that we come to for life. To have abundant life. To have a filled life, a full life, a satisfying, content life. Not that we come to Jesus to solve all our problems. We follow Jesus because we're committed to him. We want to see his will done. We want to see the will of the Father done and accomplished through us. And we want to see the gospel go forward among the nations. 
we want to live in communion and fellowship with the Lord Jesus because in him we find contentment and satisfaction and joy as we have never known before. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it or did not overtake or overcome it. What does it mean to say that Jesus is the light and the light shines in the darkness? I think three things, minimally, probably more. I think first it points us to the incarnation of Christ. It points us to God taking on flesh. That Jesus steps down out of heaven and takes the humble body of his creation and he brings light of God's glory into this world. Literally, in the incarnation, the light of the glory of God manifested itself, himself, in the person of Jesus Christ and stepped into the world. And when Christ stepped into the world, the glory of God through Christ entered into this world, into our humble existence. The light of life through Christ coming into the world. But secondly, I think it points us to the fact that Jesus himself is the revealer of truth. And Jesus, as the revealer of truth, the light of Christ guiding us through darkness. Think about Psalm 119.105, where he says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Right? It is the word of God. It lights our way. It is a lamp unto our feet, teaching us how to live, how to walk with God and walk in God. And he is also an extender of hope. The light shining in the darkness, it extends hope to all those who are Christ's, all those who belong to Christ, who are believers in Christ. In Christ, our eternal hope is secure. He has secured salvation for all the saints who who place their faith and trust in Him. We don't have to look very far in Scripture to understand the concept of light versus darkness. In this contrast of light and darkness, we certainly see it here in the Gospel of John. We see it throughout the Gospel of John, this contrasting portrait of light and and darkness. And we understand, consequently, that the world is full of darkness. In fact, if we pick up a newspaper today or watch the news today, I think we're constantly reminded of the darkness that's in our world. We don't have to look very far ourselves to recognize as believers that there is something completely different about the world we live in and the kingdom of God. About the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of God. But we're also reminded that the darkness of this world will remain until Jesus himself returns. But here's what Jesus has done. He has come to set men free from being enslaved and in bondage to this darkness. He has come to set us free and to give us a light in the midst of the darkness. You know what really happens when we recognize the distinction between light and darkness is this. We recognize the truth about ourselves, And we recognize the truth about God. And before, when we're walking in darkness... We're ignorant of the truth about ourselves. And we're ignorant about the truth of who God is. 
and about God. If we're walking in darkness, there's this absence of truth about who I am and an absence of truth about who God truly is. But when the light of Christ comes in, it shines light in this darkness and it teaches me the truth about who I really am and shows me my need for Christ, my need for salvation, my need to be saved from sin that would ultimately and forever eternally condemn me out of the presence of God. And it teaches me the truth about God himself and that he is so holy and so righteous and so perfect that there is no way I could come into his presence. There is nothing I could do to earn my salvation, but only by Jesus Christ can I now have a way. For he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is only the one way to come to him. And the wonderful mystery of salvation is that God himself and the person of Jesus Christ stepped down into this world and the light pierced the darkness and the darkness flees when the light comes in. This is an amazing truth. In John 3:19, Jesus himself, Jesus tells his disciples and says, this is the judgment. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than the light for their deeds were evil and in Romans 1 18 he says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse the other night i received a text from a friend i don't know it was about nine o'clock and um the international space station was passing overhead i don't know if any of you went out and were able to see it uh i guess it was i don't know maybe wednesday night of last week or thursday i don't remember but the international space station was passing overhead and there's about a window of four minutes where you could see the International Space Station. So I walk outside, and of course, we've grown accustomed to now in the city, we don't see all of the stars in the heavens that we used to see uh, in, in the rural uh, country area. Um, but so I, I walked out, and I was able to see maybe two, three stars up in the sky with the city lights kind of drown, drowning out the darkness a little bit. But then I saw that one light shining up there in the heavens in space from space. And I was amazed as this light was moving very slowly across the sky. And just to think of that light, even from the International Space Station, of course we see it with the stars, but to think of that light as shining down and us here on earth being able to see this light way, way off across the sky. It's an amazing thought. And to think about the light of Christ piercing the darkness as that light pierced the darkness and I was able to see that light how much greater, how much more glorious than that one little light shining in the midst of darkness. How much greater and how much more glorious is the light of Christ shining through you and through me as we walk with him into the darkness of this world. This is the eternal truth that John speaks about. 
that Jesus is the source of life and of light. He is God. He is creator. And he is giver of eternal life. John 12, 46 says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Listen, the call of every person who hears the gospel is to confess sin, repent of sin, and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Believing on Him and trusting in the work of salvation that He has accomplished on the cross through His death, His burial, and His resurrection, and then ascension into the Father. And so I want us to see that Jesus is the self-containing source of life. But not only that, secondly, I want us to see that Jesus is the glory of God revealed to mankind. Jesus is the glory of God revealed to mankind. Jesus steps out of heaven, steps and walks this earth. He comes to give life to all who believe in him. He lights the way to the Father. The very essence of what makes us live and move and exist is wrapped up in Jesus Christ because life comes from him. That's why Paul can say in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, in him we live and move and have our being. And this truth is wonderfully simple. It's wonderfully simple. Here it is. Jesus is the author of life. That's the truth. Jesus is the author of life. He shines the light to reveal the way. The word became flesh and showed the way so that all who believe in him will no longer walk in darkness but have life. Jesus Christ has overcome the darkness. And this is the hope of eternal life. That one has overcome darkness in our stead. He has done something and accomplished something that we could not do, overcoming the darkness. And this absolute truth that believers claim that salvation and entrance into the kingdom of God only happens through Jesus Christ is one that we cannot get away from. There is only one way, only one way to come into the presence of God And that is through Jesus Christ. And so I exhort us this morning. I exhort us like the primitive Methodist preacher exhorted Spurgeon when he was preaching from this text, Isaiah 45, 22, at at, at Spurgeon's conversion. He told him, he said, look unto Christ, see him. Look unto him and see his greatness. Look unto him. Look unto him this morning. Let us look unto him and see his goodness. Let us look unto Christ and see His grace that is there for the taking. The one that extends grace to us. Single parent, college student, widow, widower, spouse of the unconverted, and every other person gathered here this morning. How do we navigate this life, this calling of Jesus Christ? I think we do it in two ways. Number one, fellowship with Christ. Walk in fellowship with Christ Because in him is both life and light. And secondly, follow Christ. Knowing that he lights the way. And so I say to us this morning, let us look to Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ this morning as Savior, I want to say to you, look to Christ. See Jesus Christ. The one who is God 
the one who is creator, the one who is eternal life giver. And as that preacher urged Spurgeon, I urge us this morning. He said, look unto me, I'm sweating great drops of blood. Look unto me, I'm hanging on the cross. Look unto me, I'm dead and buried. Look unto me, I rise again. Look unto me, I ascend to heaven. Look unto me, I am sitting at the Father's right hand. Oh, poor sinner, look unto me. The question I have this morning for us is, do we know, do you know the eternal life that Jesus gives? Do you know that eternal life this morning? Anybody in here? Do you know this eternal life that Jesus gives? And if you know this eternal life, let me ask you, Christian. Are you walking in the eternal satisfaction that only comes through Christ, the creator and the eternal life giver? Or are you trying to find that satisfaction in other things of the world? This morning, let us look unto Christ. Let us look unto him who is able who is adequate and very much able to save our souls, who is able to give us the light to shine the way that we might follow him and walk in him. Let us look unto Christ this morning. I pray that you'll take a moment this morning as we will have a song for us to reflect, to pray, that if you don't know Christ, and you've recognized that this morning. I will be here at the front and I will be willing to talk with you or pray with you. Answer any questions you might have about knowing Christ and having a relationship with Jesus Christ as creator, God, creator, life giver. And this morning, maybe believer, you just need to spend some time in prayer, crying out to God, confessing these things that he has laid upon your heart this morning spoken to you about knowing that he's enough I'm going to close in prayer and I want you to respond this morning as the Lord leads you let us pray Holy Father Lord Jesus you are sovereign sustainer ruler of the cosmos and I thank you so much that you are intimately acquainted with all of our ways and while you're certainly big enough to control and to have authority over all of creation, you have made a way for us to come to, 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 to the Father. And you have made a way and you have come to us and you know us. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, for your hand in our lives. And I pray that you would strengthen us this morning to be gripped by your greatness, your goodness, and your glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand? Our soul waits for the Lord.